Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. One o'clock on Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ reminding you that Charlotte FC Major League Soccer is now in season and the WFNZ Jack Daniels Doghouse is open for business. The Doghouse doors will open up three hours before every home match. So stop by, get ready for kickoff with some of your favorite friends and you can join us for the pregame and postgame parties at the Jack Daniels Doghouse. Coming to you live from the Audi Charlotte studio and brought to you by Jack Daniels, Pepsi and Powered. By you, the Garage Door Guru text line. Only from Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ, the exclusive home of the Charlotte sports fan. We got to get to Brendan Marks' article on North Carolina and the disappointing season after appearing in the championship game just last year. You can find that article on The Athletic. And Brendan Marks was kind enough to join Mac and Bone earlier today, so we'll play some of that sound. My takeaways, first and foremost, from this piece that he wrote, it's... Not that it was explosive. I don't think that there was anything in there that was so shocking that it's going to be the number one storyline going forward. But there were a few things that either confirmed some of your worries about this season, maybe some enlightening stuff in here. And let's go to Hubert Davis and his accountability, because I think a lot of people would look to this season and blame Hubert Davis. A lot of North Carolina fans wanted him fired one season after appearing in the championship game. You don't make the NCAA tournament. You're a few spots away, quite literally a few spots. I think you were the third team out, if I'm not mistaken, according to the NCAA tournament committee. And so after that, people wanted him fired. Here's Brendan Marks talking about some of the problems that Hubert Davis is responsible for. Hubert Davis very publicly, multiple times over the course of last summer, said, I want to play my bench more. I want to develop talent. I want to have a rotation. And he did couch that by saying it's up to the players. But at the end of the day... He says that these are goals of his, and then those goals did not materialize. Those goals were not achieved. And so I do think he deserves some blame for, be it lack of player development, be it lack of player opportunity, depending on who you ask. Um, I think certainly that is one thing. Another thing is on-court accountability. There was a stretch of seven games in February where Pete Nance went 2 of 23 from 3, shot under 30% from the field, had as many assists as he did turnovers. And yet he still started every game and played 28 minutes a night. I think both of those things go hand in hand, though. I think it's because of the first point that he made that he didn't feel like he could take Nance off of the court in the second point that he made, right? Like, if your goal is to win games above all costs, which is what Hubert Davis wanted to do, yeah. then the first problem is a lot more prevalent because you didn't develop anybody. Because this roster construction was your fault. You are the coach that is constructing the roster, which has always been a problem with Hubert as soon as this thing was about to go downhill. It's the fact that Pete Nance, as detailed in the article, attempted 95 three-point shots, 92, last year with Northwestern, but shot 45%. So, okay, Hubert thought maybe on high volume he could still be very efficient, but he wasn't close. And Brady Manick, as detailed in the article, hit, not attempted, hit 92 three-pointers in like some ridiculous stretch of time. So it's very different. The gravity, the three-point gravity that Brady Manick had last year, I don't think anybody thought you could absolutely replicate it. It was not going to be a carbon copy, but you needed more than what you got from Pete Nance. 
and Hubert Davis did not feel like he could bring him to the bench because who do you play especially if that's the thing that you need most? Jalen Washington going to go out there and shoot threes for you at that size? No. Tyler Nickel? Okay. But even defensively, you got to think Pete Nance was better. So I think the first point rings a lot more true and is the bigger problem here because the construction was bad from the rip. And that allowed you or did not allow you to sit Pete Nance because even if it was going so poorly, and yes, certainly you could argue about the lack of accountability. I just don't know what else Hubert Davis had in his bag because he messed up on the first thing we're talking about. Yeah, exactly. And I think when you talk about him saying that he wanted to play the bench more at the beginning of the season, well, yeah, you want to play and develop guys until you can't. And once you start losing games and you're starting to see that maybe these guys don't have it in practice or in the games, then you have to go with the guys who you feel like give you the best chance to win. And as far as developing the talent, I think it lends itself to what uh, Jamison and Carter said when you talk about going out, playing pickup every day, getting a feel for each other, getting a feel for basketball, whereas you're just kind of hanging out and uh, you know just trying to figure it out on the fly because you only get so much time with the coaches uh, to be able to practice and be able to do those things. And then when you get into practice settings, especially when that pressure starts to mount, you don't necessarily have the requisite time to be able to focus on uh, building up guys individually when you're trying to get the team going in the right direction. You're trying to coach the team up on the mistakes that you're making and things that you need to fix so that you can start winning. So I think it turned into just a tough situation all the way around. And so I feel like it was a little bit of a mix of everything. But, uh, you know, in the Pete Nance situation, again, like you said, that was the number one thing they needed was the shooting. They had nobody else to provide that off the bench, just like we talked about with uh, Caleb Love. And it's like if he had somebody that he felt like could replace him or cut into his minutes deep enough to send a message home that, hey, you need to chill out or you're not going to be playing, he didn't have any of that. That's why you're talking about a big old roster overhaul, which it's not a complete rebuild, right? You do have Armando, you do have RJ, and that's why I, and I think most North Carolina fans celebrate that, so you can just live to fight another day, or in Hubert Davis's case, live to fight another year, because you're just trying to get to that 2024 class that is ranked number one right now. If you'll look, when you were watching the McDonald's All-American game last night, or maybe at least checked in on it, you didn't see the North Carolina logo in the top. Top 10. Nope. But you saw Duke, you saw some other schools, you did not see North Carolina. And so now you talk about a very weird situation to be in. If you did want to fire Hubert Davis, well, then that puts you at risk for losing what? I don't know how many uh, prospects are part of the 2024 number one class, but you got to get there, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think RJ, I think Armando, I think they helped you do that even still with you having to replace quite a bit. Now, I did talk about the roster construction at the end of the day, that's Hubert Davis's fault, for sure. He is the person in charge of making up the roster. But also, I do wonder just how much goes against the coaching staff. Fiddy, we can go to you, the host of the Four Corners podcast. Also, you can see his work contributed on HeelToughBlog.com. How much of this is a problem with the coaching staff who might need to pay attention to the transfer portal, right? Like you're, you've got your guys that are supposed to be also eyeing talent in the day and age that has the transfer portal so prevalent. He made changes with the coaching staff. He got rid of your boy, my boy, a lot of Tar Heels boys guy and Steve Robinson yeah. who left. Like the coaching staff also has me raising an eyebrow. That was not mentioned really in the article here, too. Yeah, I think the thing is, is on the surface, the way he wants his coaching staff constructed 
makes a lot of sense. He wants Carolina guys because it's easier to sell that dream, that vision to to high school recruits. And I think Jeff Lebo's a good assistant coach. I think Pat Sullivan's 18 years of NBA experience is definitely an asset. Brad Frederick, I think, is a very good assistant coach. Um, I think Sean May is lifeless as a big man coach because I haven't seen our bigs really improve since he got elevated to a coaching position. It's a big thing that's different with this. I mean, it is right. Like I usually I laugh when you say lifeless, right? Like you're going to use adjectives <laughs> that are different than what I would use 100 percent. But we talked about this identity of Carolina teams usually see big guys that improve quite a bit and then overtake your Bryce Johnson's, your Isaiah Hicks, your Kennedy Meeks, like some of these guys end up playing very well in their latter two years of eligibility. They get playing time freshman and sophomore years, but not a lot. And then they improve a ton. And then you see the depth, particularly with the big guy spot. I think the reason why I think is it's okay to be frustrated with Sean May and the job he's done as a position coach is he was a below the center uh, or, or, or a below the rim big, right? Yes, 100%. So was Armando Baycott. But is, mm-hmm. is Armando half as explosive as Sean May was when Sean May was? And look, I know Armando had 31 double doubles a year ago. But that was a byproduct of he was the only big on the court. Like, Sean May Sean dominated opponents. Sean was more skilled. Exactly. But, like, you know, I haven't seen the moves be taught to Armando to be able to create space with his body to finish through contact and do all these things. So, like, if I'm looking at the coaching staff, that's the one that I'll still can say, you could find me a better big man coach than Sean May. I am interested to see how they're going to operate with the transfer portal. Part of the reason they could have moved on from the NIT, even though it was mentioned in the article, that they had a vote on Saturday leading into selection Sunday. And if it was the result that left them out, that most of the team did not want to play. So this article does say there was a vote. Now, it wasn't unanimous, but the consensus was that they would not play in the NIT. Now, I'm going to get to some of the things we were talking about regarding the chemistry issues. Here's Brendan Marks earlier today on Mac and Bone. Maybe specifically, let's go to RJ and the frustration that he had because at the beginning of the season... He was listed on the Jerry or he was listed on the uh, Jerry West preseason award watch list, which is given to the nation's best shooting guard. Caleb Love was put on the Bob Cousy list. But R.J. Davis, apparently, he vocalized frustration that he didn't want to be a shooting guard. So he was asked to be taken off of an award list and just wasn't put on the Bob Cousy list because North Carolina was not going to have two players at one position award watch list. Weird. Weird to me. Yeah. Here's Brendan Mark saying how he gets R.J. Davis's frustration that was also shown on the court as the season would go on. Start of the year, every North Carolina starter except for R.J. Davis is on one of those preseason watch lists, and those don't really mean much, but I did think it was interesting. R.J. was the only one not on there, so you ask around, and, and as it turns out, North Carolina had, had basically hoped that both Caleb and R.J. would be on the point guard list, uh, and then is told, no, R.J. is actually going to be listed as a shooting guard. And if you're R.J. Davis in that situation, okay, I understand that, A, you want to be in the NBA and you want to be a point guard. I totally get that. And I also understand where he's coming from in terms of feeling a little slighted. Still weird to me, though. I, I guess my point is, if you wanted to be on the list or whatever, I guess it's all kind of trivial. Okay, like a... I don't know if there was a big problem as to why that led to struggles at the same time, the chemistry issues that who was going to man that point guard spot. Wes, I thought we figured that out last year mm-hmm. when Hubert Davis said, RJ's the point, Caleb's the two let's rock and roll. Here we are in the championship game. 
having one of the biggest victories of all time, beating Duke in the Final Four. Like, why didn't we have this clear definition and or at least understanding on Hubert Davis's part? If you want to blame Hubert Davis for some things, the definition there, the defining point of point guard and two there is something interesting. That's huge. When we talked about this pre-show, I was like, how did Hubert Davis not fix this early on so that this was not a problem for a kid to be asked to be taken off a list. It's just, I can't even begin to understand why you would want that, why you're even thinking about that. And I think that points to kind of some of the issues with the team, not thinking about what they should be thinking about. He should have been like, I don't care. I'm just going to go out and ball and I'm trying to get to this final four and win a chip. Whatever happens, happens. Because if you play well and your team wins, you're probably going to win some awards and get accolades anyway, regardless of what list you ask to be put on or taken off of. I just think that's ridiculous and one of the big reasons why this Carolina team was just not focused on things that needed to be focused on. Well, and let's not lose sight at everybody loves uh, R.J. Davis. They love him. And a lot of the frustration and criticism is thrown to Caleb Love. Well, Caleb Love is telling you after the season he wants to win something with these guys. He wants to play in the NIT. Caleb Love, while his his on-court play signifies selfish play. I just, I can't watch you dribble the basketball into oblivion and then shoot something up with five seconds left to go. I can't watch it, okay? And how did he it's and RJ bad. not talk but, about that amongst each other? Well, and I think they, I guess they probably did. I didn't see anything like that in the article. But here's my thing about RJ. So, so you have that at the end of the season, and then RJ wants to be taken off the Jerry West list. Man, scouts are going to be smart enough to not put a whole lot of stock into you being on the Jerry West award watch list. To pigeonhole you as a two-guard in the NBA. Yeah. Like, we're smart enough here to understand you could be on the list. It's cool. And let's just say, which already the odds are against you, but let's say you do win the Jerry Ward or the Jerry West Award. You think you're going to be playing two-guard at the league? Exactly. That's what I was going to say. They can put you in the program as a certain position. Scouts are going to know just from watching you play what you're going to play at the next level. It's just it's bizarre. And, and that's not to say that is the sole reason for North Carolina struggles. Clearly, so many things contributed. It's just bizarre to me that somebody would be asked to be taken off of that award watch list. Acting like that dictates so much of your NBA draft stock. Now, on court trying to figure it out, that might. That might, because then you have Caleb Love and RJ leading to just confusion as, all right, who's supposed to have the basketball now? Okay, am I supposed to take this shot? Well, Caleb Love's more so been the guy that takes these shots. RJ Davis seems like the more efficient shot taker in those situations, but Caleb Love, certainly on volume, takes more of those heroic field goal attempts to which he actually had some validity last year when he hit a few of them, right? When he went off against UCLA, when he hit the shot that still hangs in Hubert Davis's office today, as we read in the article. A, a photo of Caleb Love hitting that shot over, now it is our very own Mark Williams. Yeah, some interesting stuff, man. We can get back to that a little bit later on in the show because perhaps there are a few details that we did not get to in just this segment alone, but we can still get to some as the show goes on. It's Wesson Walker Sports Radio, 92.7 WFNZ. We'll switch gears, talk a little bit more about the Carolina Panthers. Rich Eisen said the Panthers are set up to do some damage. Do we agree with the NFL Network's Rich Eisen? Wesson Walker Sports Radio, 92.7 WFNZ. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, 
we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. We can be your Superman when you need to talk sports in the afternoon. I, I think we can. I was hoping that we wouldn't have the ad lib because it's a little sexual with the ad libs. And yeah. I was like, I was hoping the instrumental wouldn't have it. Sometimes it will, but this not. Beat is fantastic. Yes. I've always liked this song. Yes. Very uh, Eminem-esque. One of those beats, as soon as it comes on, you know, that's a Marshall Mathers production. But we are back. The Wesson Walker Show. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Hit us up on the Garage Door Guru text line 704-570-9610. Hit the socials, Wesson Walker, and the WFNZ Twitter. Just hit the follow button. It takes like two seconds. And follow WFNZ on Instagram. We haven't given the people an award, a goal in a long time. We we st- we need to do that. We need to give the goal know, something. We, it's been, been a while. Discouraged. <laughs> we need. To, why are you discouraged? Because the lack of followers, or yeah, we just been telling them to hit the follow button. We we really do want to give them something for their follows, and so you know we, we got to give them, them something. Listen. All right, yeah. so yeah, just a, a surprise award. Just just all you got to do is follow, and then you'll find out one of these days. Yeah, man. So. Uh, getting into it, Rich Eisen, famous broadcaster, big voice in the NFL world, he said that the Panthers are set up to do some damage. He said he likes the moves that the Panthers have made a lot. He went through the coaching staff. He called Josh McCown, new head coach material. He said Jim Caldwell to help Dom Capers, to help heck of a staff they put together. He talked about Andy Dalton, Adam Thielen, all of the things that you would think that he would talk about. He said Carolina's building a nice team. But that begs the question. The Panthers are being talked about in the offseason, I think, more than they ever have. If I recollect the year that they had the number one pick when they drafted Cam Newton, they were talked about, but it was mainly just because they had the number one pick. But the Panthers have stayed uh, in the news and on uh, the lips of many NFL pundits uh, this offseason. Is this the most buzz the Panthers have ever gotten in your opinion and do you think it's warranted yeah I do think it is I guess you can try to go to some coaching changes that also would have called for a lot of offseason buzz Matt Rule was not 100% celebrated I think most people liked it at the time yeah, it was kind of just but it wasn't it wasn't competing with this when you trade up for the number one overall selection which has not happened all that many times in NFL history mm-hmm. that alone is going to be a big time talking point you add that with all of the coaching decisions they made, that's only going to boost the amount of people that talk about you. Plus, if we're asking if this is the most offseason buzz we've seen regarding franchise history, then what you're really asking is it the most that we've seen in the last 10 to 12 years because social media is so prevalent in that time. Mm -hmm. So when Cam Newton was the number one overall pick, he was in 2011. And that's, that's a little before Twitter got real hot. Right? Like, that's a little before. I don't even know when Instagram was a part of the equation. I know Facebook was for sure, but Facebook, we know how different it is from Twitter, Instagram, even Snapchat, right? Like, which is also informing you on a bunch of other things. So, really, what you're asking is, is it the biggest since the last 12 years? Mm-hmm. And I think the answer is yes. And all it's positive, too, because the coaching staff is great. You have the number one overall pick. 
it's a pretty celebrated QB class. Yes. Right? Like CJ Stroud. That helps a lot. 100%. And you have different storylines with all these guys. Bryce Young, tiny, but awesome at Alabama. CJ Stroud, prototypical type of guy. Do you take him despite the Ohio State QB struggles in the NFL? Anthony Richardson, what in the bleep is this? Can we coach all of the refinement to get him to be this alien at the QB spot? Lots of different storylines. And so with Carolina being in control with that number one pick on top of all the other moves they made, yeah, it's hard to say that anything else outweighs this offseason buzz they're getting. And you talk about the number one pick being historical and all of the fallout from that because because the there are so many quarterbacks at the top of this draft. They're all going to be forever linked to each other, and that will be headlined by who the Panthers take. Whoever it is they take, everybody else is going to be compared to that. If the Panthers made a great choice, then it's going to go down in franchise history, NFL history as the next great quarterback. If they don't make the right pick, then it's going to go down as probably one or two of these guys will pop. They'll say, well, the Panthers really blew it at this selection, and they could have had this guy and this guy as they now get ready to give their speeches uh, in Canton as we sit there in our uh, rocking chairs with uh, salt and pepper hair and beard. <laughs> no, we're going to be talking about this for a long and time. And Fiddy with just a salt and pepper beard. Yeah, not any hair. Unless you wow. get a toupee or something. Well, well, you look, said you're going to cut it off. Well, here, here's the thing, though. Me. Maybe it, it, we are talking very distant <laughs> future, so perhaps there's some kind of magic pill that makes you grow hair at the top of your head maybe at that point. So. And then maybe it doesn't even have to be salt and pepper. It can just be your natural hair color. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'd like it. George Costanza got a toupee in Seinfeld, and he's my, I've, I identify with him as a real-life character. The thought has entered my mind. Even my mom mom told me yesterday to go buy a rug. We're going to have Fiddy looking like Dom Capers out here. That's what I want to see. (laughs) (laughs) That's the Panthers' authority figure he looks like most. So we talked about earlier in the show. I went ten toes down now. I am of the belief that the Panthers are going to take Anthony Richardson with the first overall pick. For those of you are just joining us, for one, welcome in. But I based that off of Thomas Davis saying the Panthers are going to make a very surprising pick, then saying there are people upstairs who are in love with Anthony Richardson. Then uh, we talked about Tony Pauline and what he said and his source that told him Trayvon Walker was going to be the surprising number one pick said that it's between C.J. Stroud and Anthony Richardson with the Panthers. And then Frank Wright coming out saying that things that he said we played the clips earlier he talked about how he has throws that screams top pick he said that the upper body mechanics are solid and said that the completion percentage lower than what you want at this level but i don't get too discouraged with things like that and to me i look at that as an easter egg because with everything else that this young man brings to the table we look at the guys who are wrecking the league right now and just the physical freaks that they are if you're not discouraged by his completion percentage, then what the hell else are you discouraged by? Well, the fact that he wasn't as good last year as Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud, right? Like, if we're going off of the best quarterbacks in this draft class, mm-hmm. which you still think is Bryce Young. Yes, no doubt about it. Right. It's because of that that you might get discouraged for taking the guy that didn't perform well enough. So the thing is, have you dissected Anthony Richardson's skill set so much so mm-hmm. that you're taking the player that did not perform as well as a Bryce Young or CJ Stroud, then that is now a, that's a pretty egregious mistake, right? Now, see, I think if you want to base it off of that, I think that gets a little more nuanced, and then you go look at the tape. What's he got around him? What's he have? For sure. Now, For Alabama's sure. receiving core wasn't what it was before, and Bryce is outstanding, and he played outstanding with the core that he had. Uh, but then you look at C.J. Stroud, the embarrassment of riches, that receiver that he had, the great offensive line that he had. He had. 
And then you project and say, all right, you know, Anthony Richardson, Florida's offensive line, they, they were decent, didn't have great receiving core. So that plays into his numbers a little there's bit. There's the Josh Allen effect. No, there's excuses. Yeah, there's 100%. There's a Josh Allen but, but you asked me, why are you worried? Right? I just said, and what else a, would you be worried about? But but that's it. There's a legitimate, you're asking a legitimate reason to be worried. What else would you be worried about? And I'm telling you, I'm worried that he didn't have the tape that Bryce Young and or C.J. Stroud did. And those are the other two QBs that you're looking past, right? Like even Will Levis has 2021 tape when he did have also the same kind of supporting cast where the offensive line had the biggest gap in difference from one year to another, right? Like when we're talking about with Nick Roush, who you brought on a couple of days ago, mm-hmm. you're talking about offensive linemen that are up you know, to possibly win awards and they were ranked as bad as any offensive line in the country. You lose a skill set. You lose a guy like a Wandale Robinson. He goes to the NFL and then you don't replace the receivers there. And so those are very different. Now, as far as the traits go, nobody's messing with Anthony Richardson. Well, Levis isn't, even if he's pretty athletic, like he was top five and a lot of those athletic scores at the combine. We're talking top five ever with Anthony Richardson and what right. he's doing, which is extremely enticing. That's the case. But if you're asking me, what is the worry? If completion percentage is not one, it's the fact that I saw two QBs play a lot better this past season with Alabama and Ohio State. See, that that to me, if I'm Frank Reich and I'm looking at that, I'm looking at the fact that Xavier Henderson was his top receiver, 38 catches. Ricky Pearsall, Justin Shorter. Let me know when you hear a top flight receiver uh, in oh, this I won't. group. I won't. You know what I'm saying? And so he had ETN's little brother come in there late uh, when you talk about the the skill guys that he had around him. And I think ETN's brother is going to be uh, a star. So I like him a lot, Trevor. But other Well, let me that, ask you this. Let me ask you this. If – if you're finding it hard to believe why Frank Reich would go for Stroud and Bryce Young if completion percentage is not a problem, mm-hmm. then why do you have Bryce Young number one? I like Bryce Young because of the fact I like his intangibles from a from a mental makeup standpoint, the fact of his size and the way he's dominated at every level that he's played on. I like his his processing like he is a he plays graduate level football. So I feel like that translates. So so why so why can't Reich have that as the same reason as to maybe him having Bryce Young number one over Anthony Richardson? Right? Like you just gave me your reason for having mm-hmm. Bryce Young number one. Mm-hmm. So why can't Frank Reich have those same reasons as to why he would have him number one over Anthony Richardson? Well, I think that he does, but I think that he looks at Richardson and just physically the the capabilities that he would have if he could get him around to a level that maybe not playing graduate level quarterback from a from a line of scrimmage standpoint, but I think he feels like that if I can just get this guy to to get in the ballpark, he could be the most dynamic threat at the position. Because we talking six four, two forty five. Yeah, the intangible four forty the, the skill set's great. Four four forty, cannon for one arm. And it's like the things that he feels like he could do with him if he could just get him to go I think he feels like the upside. He has the greatest upside of all of them, in my opinion. And that's the the tantalizing factor when you talk about what these teams are thinking. Yeah, for me, look, Dan Orlovsky even talked about Anthony Richardson possibly being it. There are some things as to why Richardson could possibly be up there at number one. Mm -hmm. But there's also that more so with Stroud, right? Like if we're looking at different things as to what people are saying – Basically, you're putting more stock into Thomas Davis, Tony Pauline. But you don't maybe, have the run threat. But no. I mean, yes, I'm I'm talking about just reporting, though. 
I, I'm I'm not talking about the skill set now. Oh, between, I know. But when you were starting to talk about the guys, I was saying you don't get the run threat with them. When you start talking about Stroud, the run. Th- what do you mean the run threat? The run threat that Richardson presents. No, I know. I'm talking about reporting, right? Mm-hmm. Like you are putting a lot of stock into what Thomas Davis is saying. Mm-hmm. You're putting a lot of stock into what Tony Pauline said about the number one source also saying Trayvon mm-hmm. Walker is going to be the first pick. I'm not talking about their skill set anymore. Right, right, right. I'm talking about the reporting and then who you believe over others. Mm-hmm. What I'm saying is. You can have a lot of sources, a lot of reports, a lot of analysts that also are saying very similar stuff and even more so about a Stroud or about a Bryce Young possibly being that number one pick. Mm -hmm. But you're putting more stock, which is fair. That's totally fine. But that's what that's what you're doing is you're putting more stock into some of these other reporters and what they're saying. And then at least you did have you did have the comment from Frank Reich. But the problem is Frank Reich also said extremely praiseworthy stuff about CJ Stroud and Bryce Young too. Like Mm -hmm. even Scott Fitterer, who's ultimately making the pick when it's all said and done. He's the one that is also speaking in a glowing light about Bryce Young as well. Well, I mean, like I said, time is going to tell, but I just, you know, I like to read into these. I feel like they're they're dropping these Easter eggs. And uh, again, and if you want to say which one I put the most stock in, I just, I really put a lot of stock in what Thomas Davis said. I really did. Yeah, and and he said there's a couple people in the organization, just to let people know what he said. He was talking, I believe, on the NFL Network set. Yes. Daniel Jeremiah was revealing his mock draft. He had either CJ or Bryce. I forget there's so many. But he didn't have Richardson. And then Thomas tried to hide it a little bit, and then they got it out of him. You know, mm-hmm. not too because hard. Because he said the Panthers are going to make a very, very surprising pick. And he said he knew a couple. I I don't know how many, but he said he knew a couple people in the front office that might like Anthony Richardson. Here's why. And he I said he didn't like it. Yeah, right. Because that's key. No, he and, and Thomas disagrees with it. Mm-hmm. Here's why I don't put as much stock into it. Because I can remember the number one overall selection being Cam Newton. Mm-hmm. And listening to Marty Herney talk about that process, he discussed how different scouts liked Marcel Darius as the number one pick. Mm-hmm. That there were some people that liked A.J. Green as the number one pick. But ultimately, the guy in charge was Marty Herney as the general manager. And he said, there's no way anybody's talking me off of Cam Newton. He's going to be the pick. And so different people, that's just how it is, right? NFL teams are going to have an array of scouts that have differing opinions because can you imagine a whole front office agreeing on one individual player, especially with this kind of quarterback class where everybody has their reasoning, including Richardson, Mm -hmm. just because Thomas Davis says he knows a couple guys. Now, maybe you think it is Scott. But he also said they're going to make a very, very surprising pick based off. They're going to make. No, I understand. Based off of the two people in the front office he talked about, or a couple people. Yeah, but he didn't reveal who those were. But that's that was the point I was just making. If you believe those people are the head honchos and Fitterer and Reich and whoever, then mm-hmm. okay. But what I'm saying is that does not necessarily mean that it's the head honchos, Scott Fitterer and Frank Reich or David Tepper. That's what I'm saying. Okay. I mean... Like I said, yeah, we're gonna see. But gonna I, be... I'm, I'm jumping off the porch, man. There you go. I've, I've, I've heard enough. Are you gonna bet with Jim Salania now? Uh oh yeah he did say that didn't he? He said Levis right Fitty? Was no, he, he was talking yeah, about yeah he Le- said Levis yeah it was Levis but I mean I think we could modify this to Richardson. He's plus nine no we can't. He's plus nine hundred. But if it happens you get five hundred dollars. He's plus nine hundred on FanDuel. All right so I might put a little little Skrilla down on Richardson. Oh Jim if you know plus nine hundred Jim if you don't know Skrilla means money so if you want to call in no no we don't we don't I'm not making a bet with Jim but I might put a little something down with that plus nine hundred because I'm gonna get more Skrilla but, off of that than Jim. Oh but but he's straight cash homie. Oh, but you could make more though. See I'm trying to get your Skrilla up because he wants a cut. Who does? Fitty? Yeah. No Jim. 
I don't think he wants a cut. He's giving you odds. Didn't he say? Well, you got to give him 20, and if he loses, then he gives you 500. Like, you lose a bet. Yeah. I, you're putting a bet down regardless. It's just Selenia is the house. I got you. I'll stick with FanDuel. <laughs> now, you can't even do that because it's in North Carolina. You can't yeah, do FanDuel. Right. You have to find Not somebody yet. else. Not yet, anyway. All right, boy, I know who I would bet on, my man Fitty. Let's get that second flash <laughs> of the day. Well, guys, we're going to keep it on the NFL talking. Yesterday, the owners opted not to vote on a rule that allowed games to be flexed into Thursday night kickoff or to Thursday night football. Well, they did agree to modify the existing rule and allow teams to play a maximum of two short week games a year. That means teams uh, could play two Thursday night games that would not have any back-to-back Thursday night games, such as Thanksgiving followed by a game the next week when we look at Thursday night football we know it's not going to go away when you look at the possibility of flexing games that went to that Thursday night window that needs to be off the table completely right because I don't think logistically that makes any sense for the players coaches let alone the fans involved I think if they do do it the players aren't going to do anything but play the games. Now, I think from a health standpoint, and they talked about all the protocols that they did not look at. Plus, one aspect I never thought about that they spoke on was the fans. They talked about how the fans plan for these games months ahead, weeks ahead, and then to move it and inconvenience people, I don't think it's fair as well. So, I think it's stupid. But they did say, I believe they tabled it. So, I don't know if this is going to go through. But if the league finds a way to make more Skrilla, mm-hmm. they're going to do it. Yeah, Skrilla. And the only way they'd be able to fight it is if in the next collective bargaining agreement, whenever those negotiations are going on, the players union is going to try to stop this, I would imagine. Now, I don't know how contentious that would get between these two, but that's one way is you get the governing body of the players and then you try to change it, which has led to some changes, not as much as the NFL players would like, but that's the way you would fight this. Yeah, man, it'd be it'd be tough. Two Thursday night games for one team. I imagine they would not be very happy as far as how that would affect the season. Yep. So when we come back, Fiddy gives you his favorite McDonald's <laughs> menu item. This is a great one right here. Folks. He's you our don't All-American. want to miss this when you return to the Wesson Walker Show, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning their chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. slow dancing to this beat. Usually we get some erratic dabs, but that was something <laughs> way different. That was very fluid and a little jazzy, and you were closing your eyes thinking about cows on the run. <laughs> Doing a slow jam. How are you feeling for this McDonald's list, Fiddy? Uh, feeling all American. That's that's. I, I didn't know what to say to that. An American man. <laughs> that was really bad. <laughs> what, what is that from, though? What, um, uh, Case Ventura? Uh, no. It's a song. 
We're an American band. Oh. You sounded like you said American okay. band there. But he I'm is an American, American man. Yeah. 100%. All right. A lot of this is embarrassing. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I apologize to everybody. All right. Let's go to Fitty's favorites. <laughs> Based off of the McDonald's All-American game, Fitty decided to list his five nice. favorite McDonald's menu items. I was wondering why it was uh, McDonald's items today. Nice. And because of the McDonald's All-American game. Yeah. Man. This is All-American. He is our number one prospect, especially when it comes to eating McDonald's items. And so let's listen to the Big Mac himself. I like that as a nickname, oh. too. Big Mac. Yeah, I mean, I know we have Mac and Bone in the morning, but you could be Big Mac. Yeah, I mean, his son is Little Mac, so I don't think there is a Big Mac. <laughs> it fits. Um, All right, go ahead. Number five. So number five, this might be controversial to flound because we eat these all the time when we go to McDonald's. But I tabled it. They're chicken nuggets. And then do you guys remember when they had the chicken selects back yeah. in the mid-2000s? Yes, sure weren't do. those like, they were strips. They were strips, but they called them selects, but they yeah. were very good. I got, I mean, I got fat off of those as a kid. But chicken selects are great, but nuggets is 100% classic. So this has to be on the list almost, right? Mm. Wes, do you agree chicken nuggets got to be on the list? I know you got your top five, but now we'll leave Yeah, no, 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 no. It's not debatable. I mean, that's that's an item that's hard to argue against. I like it. It's a fact. Wes said it. It's not debatable. I 100% agree. So I like it. So far, so good. It has to be included. What you got, number four? Number four, we're going to stick. Uh, we're going to stay with the chicken, but we're going to go to the breakfast variety. I go to Bojangles and Chick-fil-A to get my chicken biscuits most of the time. Yeah. But I do think McDonald's does have an underrated chicken biscuit because mm. they give you a big-ass piece of chicken. I have not had their chicken biscuit. I've had it. Oh, they it, give you the whole breast. And it's, it's good. pretty good. Yeah. It's pretty. I, I think maybe I have, but it's been a long time. In my time. opinion, there's nothing nasty on a McDonald's menu. Yeah, I, I would probably agree with that. The problem is if, if another franchise is known more for said item, then I don't know if it can be on the list, though. Why are you laughing? Because uh, Nipple Hightower said Big Mac is Mac's dad, you dumbass. <laughs> oh, Nipple. Oh, man. Just nipped his way into the show. He's getting angry at us, 100%. I also have written down with the chicken biscuit. I don't know how you guys feel about this. I wash mine down with a Coke as opposed to a sweet tea. Which is totally fitty because this is a breakfast yeah. item and he's washing it down with a Coke. Yeah, I'll pass on 120% <laughs> of my daily sugar. This morning I had a Pop-Tart <laughs> and a Mountain Dew for breakfast. Yeah. <laughs> That's Two days worth it's, of sugar. It's so much sugar, man. Like Pop Tarts, and that's it's better than the three toaster strudels. You'll <laughs> they gotta be put back on sale, man. Oh god. Um, All right, number three. Number three. This is usually what I eat when I go to McDonald's uh, in the afternoons. The double quarter pounder with cheese, no ketchup. A double quarter pounder is very strong, and it is often underrated because it is not even the sandwich you think of from McDonald's. It's usually the Big Mac. But you give me a double quarter pounder, I'm with it. 100%. I really like this inclusion. I'm with it as well, and I think that McDonald's ketchup is so good. I, I can't leave that off. I'm going to say that's a big-time sodium count in the ketchup that makes it so good. It's good, man. I know the Sprite is different. We've had this conversation multiple times. But their ketchup is mostly sweet. You think it's sweeter than it is salty? It's yeah. been a while since I've had yeah, McDonald's ketchup, so. though. What is what is the secret sauce they have? Not on the Big Mac. Not the Big Mac sauce. But don't they have something else that's kind of like Chick-fil-A's Chick-fil-A sauce? They got their own thing. Oh, I didn't know I about know. this. Yeah, Am I, I wrong know. about that? Maybe I'm wrong. You ever looked at we can look it up. I was gonna say you ever looked at McDonald's secret menu items. Uh, I have. I have looked that up. Maybe we can explore that a little bit later on right. as well. All right, number two, Fiddy, what you got? Number two, I just have just a large fry itself because 
I mean, look, I'm a fat ass. We all get fat and sometimes. Don't you ever just want to go on your way home and just pick up a large fry and just have salt all over your car while you're driving around? There's one staple when the the list of best fries in the world, it's done a million times and it often sparks fantastic debate. There is one staple that is at least somewhere in your top five. And it's always McDonald's that are somewhere in the top five. Everybody likes them. I thought they might be number one because of how goaded they are. Yeah. They're not my favorite. I've, I've got some other ones that I like better. But really? they're definitely in the top five. Like, I can't I can't take your fries list seriously if McDonald's is not a staple on the top five. What's I, a better fry than McDonald's, though? We'll finish your list and then we'll get to that. <laughs> Wes is ready. Yeah, because Food that's... Debate. Yeah. And then yeah. number one for me, this is my usual breakfast combo. Sausage biscuit, because, dude, they've got a good piece of sausage. And then okay. the hash brown. I think they have the best fast food hash brown out there. Wes and I just looked at each other for the same reason. <laughs> sausage biscuit being number one seems underwhelming. <laughs> oh, dude, I love it. I mean, I usually eat a sausage biscuit from McDonald's at least once a week. Well, Union County, I probably wouldn't expect much left. Yeah, but for McDonald's, sausage biscuit being number one. That yeah, seems I mean, underwhelming. That it's not. I agree with you. Yeah, let's go to some of the text, and we'll get to your list. I want to talk about it on the other okay. side. I want to continue the McDonald's conversation. NASCAR Brad said, yes, McDonald's fries are goat emoji 100%. 336 said they have tangy barbecue sauce. Maybe that's a little different than mm-hmm. what other people have. Um, Matt in Greensboro asked, how does Fitty not have diabetes? I probably do. I just don't go to the doctor. No, get that checked. Gary from Texas, you are... An amazing human being. Gary from Texas wrote in, they have the driest all-caps biscuits ever, but um, you disagree. That's no, Chick-fil-A. I, I think McDonald's biscuits are very underrated to me. I think they're the best of the fast food things. Um, Quan? I'm not going to say the last one. I don't even know if I can. Said, filet fish as the middle bread of a Big Mac is the surf and turf. That doesn't sound great, to be wow. honest with you. That's a secret menu item. That's a little fishy to me. Yeah, it does, 100%. <laughs> NASCAR Brad said, very weak, number one, Fitty. Yeah, the sausage biscuit. The McMuffins. The McMuffins are great. Now I want to make my list. The McMuffins are pretty outstanding, but you'd rather go with the biscuit over the McMuffin. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm just, not a, just not a McMuffin guy. I don't know what it is about it. I just... I don't. I don't really care for their pancakes. I don't. I mean, I just stick to the biscuit side of things. That's one thing breakfast. I've never had. That big breakfast. I've never had that. What the big? Is it like the plate? It's got the the pancakes, the biscuit, the sausage, and the egg. When they have the syrup all over every single item, right? Like they. Well, got, I think they give it to you. You can put it on there as you want it. I to. feel like a lot of people do it. The hot cakes. The hot cakes are great. Yeah, I've yeah. never had that. Joe Gibbs is very mad at you. He said GTFOH What's on no new? hot cakes. Yes, 100. percent Um. Also, Mick Griddles. I'll tell you what. I was shown. We know. Yeah, that's your thing. Whew. When I saw pancakes as the bread for a sandwich, I thought they were extreme innovators in the fast yeah, food Yeah, they're game. pretty good. I like that. And this steak, uh, this steak, egg, and cheese bagel is pretty good. I they agree. They a steak, egg, and cheese bagel. Now, this they steak. have onions on it. and that would I like my, that. I, I do, too, but it leaves your breath kicking a little bit. <laughs> and so I didn't. I don't love that, but the, the, the bagel with the steak on it. It's good, uh, man. Excellent. When they came out with that, I went to get that immediately. <laughs> <laughs> anything with steak, I'm down. Is there anything more exciting than when a fast food franchise releases a new item for you to go try. Oh yeah. I mean, yeah, have yeah. you have you tried the the fish sandwich from Popeyes yet? Oh. Oh, that's been in the past. Yeah. Okay. It was good? Yeah. Okay. I didn't know. Popeyes don't miss. All right. I I agree. What you got? I just wanted to say there was an honorable mention to the list, but like RJ Davis it, it asked to remove itself okay. from there. Uh-huh. <laughs> 
The Oreo McFlurry oh, yeah. has a place there. Oh, yeah. Oh, but yeah. when every ice cream machine <laughs> that every McDonald's I've ever gone to is broken, and I used to put the M&Ms in there as well, just give me double, I mean, just give me double the diabetes and raise my cholesterol uh, cholesterol level. <laughs> but, I mean, I don't even bother asking to get them anymore because I know they're going to say, yeah, our ice cream machine's broke. They had a good article <laughs> about that. <laughs> Who sounds like that? But say it one more time. Uh, ice cream machine, Brad. Okay. They had a good article about that that I watched, um, and they sued some people because they made a device that could fix them, but because it didn't come from McDonald's, they sued them, and then McDonald's proceeded to make something that was the same thing that they made. Okay. Yeah, I need to watch that. 704 said, yeah, the McGriddles are him, all caps. It's my favorite text. I don't know why. <laughs> it's just real simple. We'll get to some of the other text messages, and then we'll talk more McDonald's. I guess we can also maybe... Talk some more Carolina Panthers as well. In the last hour of Wes and Walker, it's all still to come. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.